0: It's great to hear testimonies this morning of what God's doing in your life. Uh, Today is the conclusion of our eight-week series that we've called A Life Worth Giving on Stewardship. If you do have your Bible with you, you can uh, turn to Luke chapter 5. It won't come up on the screen, uh, but you can keep your finger there. We'll get to it in a little while. A few days ago at our prayer summit, uh, we gave people an opportunity to share testimonies about how this particular series has been impacting them, and it was really encouraging to hear how God's actually been using these last seven weeks to speak into people's lives the way that the the truths of of what we've been covering has actually shifted something uh, in how they've been posturing themselves as servants and stewards of the things that God's given to us. Uh, and if you're our guest here this morning, uh, or maybe it's difficult, like it often is, to remember, you know, what we covered from week to week. Well, here's just a quick recap of where we've been over the last Sundays together. Our very first Sunday, Ron McLean gave us a theology of stewardship by reminding us that everything belongs to God; it's all His, and He's entrusted to us His resources that are meant to be used to grow, to multiply, to look after uh, the things that are around us, with the posture that we are stewards, not the owners of his gifts and resources. He's the master, we're the servant. Everything that we have belongs to him, and we invest with that posture in mind. Next, we talked about our gifts and our talents. Each one of us has been given uh, to serve God. We each have them. The the church has them. The people around us uh, that minister to one another. And each of us have the responsibility to use and develop those gifts. And if you've never really known what those spiritual gifts are, well, we provided an online assessment tool uh, to give you insight in how you were intentionally crafted and made by God to be in relationship with him, but also to serve him and love the people that are around you. It's been fascinating for me to watch as people have engaged with this particular tool uh, because it's it's encouraged and both confirmed in people that they're using their gifts effectively. Some people have read them and go, yeah, good, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm doing the things that I've actually been created to do. And for others, it's revealed some new areas that perhaps they'd never seen before and went, wow, I actually have to... I'm kind of excited to learn about that and grow in that and discover how maybe there's a part of me that I haven't really tapped into or been using at all. And it's been wonderful to see how probably just over a dozen people here have stepped forward to actually say, yeah, I'm willing to, to roll up my sleeves and get into minister here at the church. Uh, So for those of you who have recently done that, thank you for for doing that and making an investment here at South Osborne, but also how that will radiate from this place into the community and into the lives of the people that we touch. Um, In two different messages, we focused on kind of a similar theme from different angles. Uh, The first, we were challenged to evaluate how much we truly trust God to supply all of our needs. We used the study of the widow's might, her two copper coins that she put into the offering in the temple. Uh, The woman, she could give everything that she had knowing that the same God who had supplied her with those two coins could do so again, and she could give freely. The other angle of the same kind of idea regarding what motivates our trust in God and our ability to live life generously It came as we were reminded about that God didn't even spare his own son when it came to purchasing our freedom. He gave everything. So as stewards of his grace to us, we live with a posture of generosity that doesn't spare anything that the Lord asks of us in doing his will and advancing his kingdom. And that actually helped birth that little blue board at the back with all of those little tags on it. Uh, it, it highlights, if you're, especially if you're our guest here this morning, wondering what on earth is that thing? Well, it highlights the things that people either need or want, and it highlights the things that people feel that the Lord actually might be asking them to give away. And we invited the Holy Spirit to match those two parts together, and kind of like the classified section of a newspaper or Kijiji, you know, online, uh, we created this practical expression in our body that would actually help us bless one another by asking for what we need, but also not sparing what the Lord has asked and stirred in us to give. Another thing that we did was we spent time refreshing ourselves about how God wants us to steward our finances, our money, and to honor him with the first fruits of the resources that we've each been given however big or however small. Uh, and as people have felt led, uh, there's been an opportunity to be able to give towards uh, paying down the debt and the mortgage that we have uh, in South Osborne on this building, uh, to just simply get rid of it uh, as, as, a, as a prayer goal that we have for this year. Not just to pay it down so we can go, woohoo, our mortgage is finished. That's not a good enough reason. <laughs> but the goal was actually of freeing up Our congregation to actually invest and steward the money God's given to us in different ways rather than simply investing it back into the bank it actually you all know what that's like if you own a house right so we're just looking God we feel like there's something that you're saying to us in how we're stewarding our resources we don't quite know why we've felt so strongly to to do this because we know that next year by the end of next year we'll we will have had this paid off But it feels like God was speaking to us that, no, actually, I want to challenge you to do it a little bit sooner because I've got something ahead that you don't know about yet, that you're going to need to rejig around some resources so you can invest differently. That's one of the reasons that we're doing that. Uh, And next, we considered how we're meant to be good stewards of our spiritual family, the body of Christ, the way that we fellowship together, love one another, work together in unity, to accomplish the master's work here on earth until he returns. That's really, really important. Uh, Not only because it brings glory to Jesus as the head of the church, but it's actually a clear testimony to the world around us. We follow Jesus. We love him. We love each other. We love the people around us. And we're ready to use our time, our talents, and our treasure to work together together to obey the directions of our master, Jesus Christ, the things that he gave us and told us to do before he ascended into heaven with the sure promise that he's going to come again. And last week, if you were here, Wendy Park preached passionately about how corporately, but more importantly, personally, how each of us personally are involved in stewarding our families before God, our own families and the people in our lives, How are we caring for the widow, the orphan, the stranger in our land, in each of our lives? You know, God asked us to care for them too. I mean, our TKS kids got an incredible taste of that. I didn't know if you realized, I'll just say it one more time. The area that they went in Los Angeles, sponsored by the Dream Center, into Skid Row, is literally a 54-block area. Think of that. That's a small city with thousands of people in it. God's actually called us to places like that. Not every one of us is going to be there. But what are we doing in our own location? How are we reaching out to folks that are strangers to us? How are we reaching out to those who have been disconnected from their families, maybe through foster care or adoption? How are we touching the people in our lives that, that uh, need that leg up? What are we doing in that? How are we stewarding the family? How are we using the gifts that God's given to us, that he's using to challenge us to open up our lives, to steward the precious people that will be blessed by us doing our part? I mean, that's in one sense basically the question we've been asking throughout our series. How are you effectively using each and every one of the resources you've been given by God to steward on his behalf? How are you doing with that? How are you investing your time, talent, and treasure that you've been given by God to love him and to further his purposes and his agenda? I mean, all these messages... And the little snippet that I've given you this morning can all be found online on our website just to remind us of this life that we've been given by God to generously give away for his glory and for our joy. And as I wrap up this series today, I want to draw our attention back to Jesus, back to God, the one who actually gave us everything there's one significant area that we actually haven't touched in our preaching, even though we've said the words a number of times over the weeks. So it's kind of fitting that as we begin and end by focusing on Jesus, that we would talk about stewarding the one gift that each of us here has been given. Uh, We recognize, in one sense, that it's been portioned out in varying amounts, but we understand sitting here today, you and I, that we're all equals in this very moment and then in this moment and now in that moment and now in this moment and now in that moment it's the gift of time we've each been given time none of us knows truly when our time on earth will end some live to be a hundred years old and yet others have their lives taken their lives are over before they've even started And yet from the time that we were created until the time that we die, each one of us has the same amount of time, 24 hours each day. The same amount of time to steward each day we draw breath. And the question is, are we stewarding our time God's way or my way? Is it your time or is it God's time that he's given to you? to steward. Another way of saying this is where's your chair? That will confuse you for a while so be okay with that. There's lots of ways to slice and dice time. Some of you here are administrative experts at scheduling. You know who you are. Uh, You're the people that everyone turns to to keep things organized and flowing. Others, you know who you are too. Uh, you're what some people might call free spirits uh, when it comes to time management. Uh, You don't like to feel controlled by a schedule but you value the freedom of unhurried time to be able to build relationships in your own way. Um, In one sense, in a sinful way, the clock watchers uh, can control people in situations by keeping them locked into an inflexible schedule. But the free spirit you can actually control people too. Ironically, if that's you, you actually need to watch out that what often manifests itself as perpetual lateness on your part doesn't become a way to control people too. But wherever you might be at on this spectrum of how you steward time, uh, we can likely agree that there is one person that is meant to be our standard when it comes to how we invest our time. It's Jesus. As followers of Christ, we are meant to grow in our capacity to be like Jesus in everything that we say, think, and do. Period. That is the road of sanctification, that big theological word that simply means my life and my journey of becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming more and more holy. Holy. But wherever you may be at on that spectrum, whether you treasure precision timing, that precision German engineering, uh, you treasure the life of the clock, uh, or whether you treasure life off the clock, the simple thing I want to challenge you with today is how does your life reflect the way Jesus spent his time? Is your priority living according to your own rhythm or the rhythm of heaven? It's a question for you today. We could spend a lot of time on the subject of what Jesus thought was important. He said an awful lot about the things that he felt were important. But for us here today, I want us to focus on reminding ourselves of what Jesus' first priority was, and therefore should be ours as well. So I want you to tell me, what was Jesus' first priority in how he spent his precious allotted time during a day? You tell me. Prayer. prayer? I heard that? Yeah. That's what it was. It was the time that he spent with his father in prayer. He invested time in this most vital relationship. In one sense, that's the, a point. Uh, Jesus' first priority was to spend time with his Father. So that's my point. Where's your chair? Now some of you are wondering, what is he talking about? Jesus had a regular rhythm of prayer in his life. He would spend time with his dad, God himself. (laughs) You might think, yep, yep, I know that, Aaron. It's throughout all the Gospels. Nothing new there. You know, I I, I hoped I was going to hear something profound this morning. (laughs) Well, if you have this particular area of your life and how you steward your time there all figured out and are masterfully doing this the same as Jesus in this area of your life, then bless you. (laughs) Wonderful. This message is not for you. Uh, But if you have any room for improvement, then maybe some of the simple things I felt to share this morning, maybe they're of value to us. You now to pull Jesus out from the year 33 AD into our celebrity worshiping context in 2017. Jesus was a controversial superstar. <laughs> Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus. TV, press interviews, debates, speaking engagements, fame, fortune knocking at his door. Weeks on the road. You know, always under the microscope, the paparazzi and TMZ, you know, always looking for a way to trip him up, find him in an unsavory light. There's the camera flashes, there's the outstretched hands of the crowds looking for just one touch, the people chanting for more. Does that sound familiar to today at all? How many stories have you heard about celebrities letting all the pressures and the fame go to their heads and eventually spiraling into this classic cliche of tragic destroyed lives luke five where you've got your finger starting in verse fifteen but now even more the report about him went abroad the twitter verse was going insane the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities But. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. That's just a little corner, a little sliver of the life of Jesus that we see throughout the Gospels. Jesus prayed a lot. Here's the thing I want you to focus on right here and now. Who's Jesus? You tell me. Just don't overthink it. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. God Himself in the flesh. If there's anyone who could have gotten away without praying and maintaining a relationship with God, it's Jesus. Right? But He felt that spending time in prayer with his father was so vital to his life that he would leave ministry, all the needs of the clamoring people for his time, and he would retreat to a quiet place to pray. It was his regular practice. He, he simply could not do everything that he needed to do and decide about where he was going to spend his finite amount of time here on earth and his energy without having this connection with his father. He couldn't do it. So why do we as Christ followers feel like this is such an option for us? Oh, (laughs) I have to say that about myself. If it was important to Jesus, it should be even more important to us. It was so vital to Jesus, we should consider it as important as as breathing air. (laughs) It's a vital life-giving connection. It's another way of saying this, where's your chair? Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for all the times that you've done something other than spending time with God. We're all guilty of that. Uh, We we may not live the pressured life of a celebrity, uh, but we get swallowed up in the busyness and the schedules we have until we feel like there are so many important things for us to do that Jesus you're just going to have to wait till tomorrow you know we'll just just one more day and then we'll and then we'll get together we'll get to you tomorrow right you know or instead of escaping life's pressures by, by coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus for relief we routinely fill our lives with all sorts of other things don't we There's all sorts of ways that you and I spend our time. We all know our weaknesses. We all know the choices that we make. Do you know why Jesus spent so much time in prayer? Well, here's a few reasons. Uh, If you want scriptural proof, just read the first four Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, and you will see it woven throughout Jesus' life. The first one is, and it won't come up there because I want you to know and ask, where's your chair? The first one is, he loved his father, and he wanted to be with him. It was about relationship. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to be with him? Then meet with him. Second thing is, being in prayer actually grounded Jesus It allowed him to focus and to be reminded about what really mattered to his dad and what should really matter to him despite the draw of all the crowds needing to be healed. And three, important for you and I here today, like you and me, Jesus only had a certain amount of time to accomplish his mission on earth. Time in prayer gave him clear direction about where to spend his day, his time, his energy. Many times Jesus, he came back from prayer and I bet his disciples had these confused looks on their faces because he said, okay boys, I know there's a, there's a thousand people outside there this morning that are looking to be healed, uh, but, uh, but we're done here, uh, we're moving on to the next village. What? We should have a revival meeting. We should have the big tents set up. We should have the cameras. We should have people on stage you know, healed, all that kind of stuff, right? We should set this up. There's an amazing thing God's... No, guys, we're moving on. I got some different instructions. Folks, if we want to be good stewards of our time while we're here on earth, we have to spend regular time with God, with our Heavenly Father. If Jesus needed that time in order to carry out his Father's plan, then as Christ followers, so do we. It's not an option. Make Jesus' first priority your priority. That's how you will steward your entire life well and bear much fruit. And again, point number four is where's your chair? I guess as an aside, feeling like you don't know how to pray, it's not an excuse. It actually doesn't wash. If that's you and you don't know how to pray, ask somebody you see who knows more than you about praying and say, could you help me with this? You could take our Hearing God seminar. It's a fantastic way of learning how to hear God's voice. There are tons of resources out there on how to pray and how to connect with God. Talk to Norm or I about that. We would be happy for that. But don't use the excuse that I won't, I'm not praying just because I don't know how. If the only reason that you're not praying and fe- is because you feel like you don't know how to hear God's voice or receive direction from Him, well, welcome to the club. I- I'm on a journey too. All of us are. All of us struggle with... How do I pray? We're all learning more how to pray and deeply connect with Jesus. So don't just not do it. Make a clear choice to keep learning until it makes sense. Be a lifelong learner in this area. St. Francis of Assisi said, I don't know how to pray, therefore I will pray until I do. There's many things in life where that can apply. And Jesus promised that any follower of Christ can hear his voice. So if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can hear him. Don't stop learning how. But Jesus, one of the profound secrets that he opened up to us with regard to how to spend your and my time wisely, you can turn to John chapter 5 on your device or in your Bible there. John chapter 5, verse 19. John chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does... The son, Jesus, does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, I connect with my dad because I want to be doing the things that he wants me doing. He's got the answers for my life and how to walk it out with purpose today. And whatever he's doing, I'm doing. For you and I here today, whatever we see Jesus doing, we're doing. You know, people can think, well, of course Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knew what to do. He was God, after all. But not according to Jesus himself in these verses. Jesus focused all his time and energy on only doing what was important to his father. Like I said, that's where he got his direction, instruction, and strategy from. And he received it through regular times of prayer and connection with the Lord. If you want to be able to effectively steward the precious life you've been given by the glory of God, if you want to know how to invest your time, your talent, your treasures with excellence, if you desire to make an eternal lasting impact on the world around you, you cannot neglect your time with Jesus. Each day, even if it's just for a few minutes. It's vital to you. If you want to know how to parent your kids, if you want to know what job you should take, if you want to know how to, what to study in school, if you want to know how to grow in love, patience, kindness, joy, self-control, and any other fruit of the Spirit, if you want to see impossible things in your life shift, if you want to see miracles on a regular basis, if you want to know how to invest your money, if you want to know that strategy for that business deal, then spend time with the one person in the universe who has all the answers and wants to spend time with you to give them to you. Amen? So you'll fall deeper and deeper in love with him and you'll know which way to go. I want to show you a video clip by Bill Heibels. It's a bit longer than I would usually use on a Sunday morning, but I think the story that he shares really expresses what I'm trying to share with you this morning. I think it will help those of you who have either become really annoyed by this PowerPoint, (laughs) uh, or really confused about what this message has to do with Finding your chair and where it might have gotten off to. So let's watch it.
1: An advertising executive came down to talk to me after a service, and he had just become a Christian. I, I had baptized him at the church, and so, and uh, he said, I, I just can't make time for a meeting with God. He said, you have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day, and you live in a different world. I, I can't, I just can't fit it, fit that kind of thing into my life, and I remember looking at this young guy, hard-charging young guy, and, and I said, here's my experience, and I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old, so there it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later. And when he came down to talk to me, he his countenance was different. He felt different. His conversation was different. And he invited Lynn and me. He and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner. So we accepted. He lived right in the area. And so we go over to their house. And uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, you know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time. He said, "I I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here and I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I I just bought this chair and I put it at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair, I have a cup of coffee and he goes, I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair... Has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee, he was a morning guy, and he fell into this pattern. Many months later, Uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. And he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while, and and, uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this, because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will, and came back about a month later, and he said, you know, I I gave notice at at work, and if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. Pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff and I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church and was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life in my meetings with God. And he said, a friend of mine's starting a brand new church in Colorado and I think I'm gonna pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm gonna to have to go back into the marketplace and uh, make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, you, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So he said goodbye to him and he packed his family up and he went out And he went back into advertising, made a lot of money, and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working, and he kept supporting that church, And uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast-spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized. And one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter, and I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral reception afterwards, I said, That was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, His whole life changed in that chair. I said, What are you going to do with the chair? And she said, We are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on his word and open yourself to his power? Where where do you become aware of his presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. The thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with him anywhere. Your chair can be anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side, Uh, we rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times. And so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth and a Burger King. To this day, when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, Man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck, brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck, absorbs the word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God. To God, asks for direction in his life. A young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can. Corner table, meets with God. Where's your chair? When you meet with a friend, let's say for a lunch, what happens is if you've connected with that friend, after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is, you think about that friend later on in the afternoon. When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair?
0: As we close our series on how to steward our lives for the glory of God, and to live a life that is worth giving. We need to actually finish by starting at the beginning of what's most important to Jesus. Where's your chair? How else will you be able to truly steward what your master has given you to invest while he's away? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of time. Lord, we squander it even while we know it is such a precious commodity. Lord, we sometimes want to be free from it. Other times, we're glad to be bound by it. But Lord, we recognize that you are an infinite God who is even outside of time and the constraints that we have here on earth. And you have chosen, Lord, we acknowledge to reach through time and space to meet with us in the here and the now, to reveal to us your plans, your purposes, your heart of love for each and every one of us. Lord, would you help us to steward our time wisely? And for each of us here, whether we've been following you for 40 years or four minutes, Lord, would you help us to make that choice to daily meet with you so that we can truly understand not only your love for us, but how to steward every bit of resource that you've given to us to use for your glory and for our good. Lord, strengthen your church Strengthen our capacity to meet with you and to hear your voice. Lord, strengthen our capacity to pray personally and corporately together. Lord, we thank you that we might have a finite amount of time, but Lord, to each one of us, you have given the exact right amount of time. Help us to use it wisely. Help us to steward our time, our talents, and our treasure for you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.